This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from the dark recesses of the proverbial Dawnforge pouch, this is episode 273 of The Shattered Soulstone. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at bit.ly slash soulstonebooks2020. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPod, tablet, or your smartphone. Today is August 30th, 2020, and it's very, very early in the morning, and this is Jen. You might be wondering, where is Shazam? Well, 272 was his last show, and if you missed it, I highly recommend you go back and give that a listen so you can hear, in his own words, explain why it's his last show. It's much better than having me try to reiterate it. Just It's right there. You can just give it a listen. Some of you may remember who I am. I have not been on a Shattered Soulstone episode in quite some time, but I am one of the original hosts of the show. Back in the day, in 2011, it was me and Nevik and Brasia, and a little bit later on, Lantonio, who did the show before the beta was out. Um, long time ago. Some of those episodes are probably still accessible on the Shattered Soulstone website if you want to go back to see what those were like. And since then, uh, there's been various hosts switching in and out. If you've been a long-time listener, you already know this. If you're new to the show, you might not really know much about me, but I was an original host. I've uh, kind of been in the background of the show for a while. I started becoming the editor of the show with a little bit of practicing in 2018, officially became the editor of Shattered Soulstone in 2019, and have been doing it ever since. The previous editor of the show is my husband, Sean, and he was the editor for years, years it seems, and did, I think, a great job. I think he's extremely talented, so I'm very lucky to have learned from one of the best editors how to edit a show like Shattered Soulstone. Although I've done some editing of other unrelated podcasts throughout the years, this was something new to learn, and I think I'm doing okay. But other than that, I've been in podcasting since 2005 and never really stopped. There's been a lot of different shows I've been part of or been involved in in one way or another. Some of them are still online, some of them are not. Uh, Some of them are on my website and I really need to update some more episodes. But that should tell you a little bit about who I am. I live in California and I have been to a couple of BlizzCons. I was at, uh, let's see, 2013 and 2014 and I think it was 2013 where the entire cast of Soulstone was able to attend together, and that 
was also the first year for Con Before the Storm, uh, which I did a panel on with several people. And 2014, I think, I think most, if not all, of the original hosts from Soulstone were were there for that. I was also at the launch party for Reaper of Souls, and uh, Nevik was there as well. And so I've been kind of involved in this in, for a while. Some of you already know that. Some of you might be new to the show, and I thought you may as well know who the heck I am, since I am going to be taking over as host for a while. I'm not entirely sure how long that's going to last. Things do change with hosts and stuff like that. But if anything... If we do get someone else hosting at some point in time, other than me or in addition to me, I'll still be editing. So you'll still at least, you know, know that I'm involved in some way. So let's move on with my week in gaming. Why not? I have been playing in Season 21. I am playing a Hardcore Barbarian, and I'm doing it solo. Because if I'm going to play Hardcore, I prefer to play solo. I mean, honestly, I prefer to play solo anyway, but... With Hardcore, I have attempted at times to play with groups randomly here and there. And sometimes I end up dying horribly because I was paying attention to too many things or trying to figure out where the rest of my group was or just plain died from doing something stupid, which happens with Hardcore. And then you gotta start over. And this season, I didn't have a lot of time to play. I am still working on that. But I've been busy. I've had a lot of work stuff I gotta do. I've had a lot of health issues stuff I gotta deal with. Nothing serious, and no, I do not have COVID-19. But, you know, it takes time to get these things done. And so I've been slowly progressing through the season with my hardcore barbarian, who has not died yet. And I'm hoping it'll stay that way a little bit longer. I have reached level 60. Without dying, I think I'm playing on expert level. When I play again, which could be after I record this show, um, I'm going to move it up to master and see how that goes. I think I'm at level 61. The reason, One of the reasons I'm going so slowly is because I've been recording my gameplay. So I had to learn how to use that software and edit the videos and how to get that to work. I do have a Twitch channel, but I don't really use it because I don't like streaming. The biggest problem I have with streaming is I'm on a Mac, and it makes things more complicated than what you would have if you were streaming on a PC. And after a while, I just got tired of fighting with software and dealing with glitches and this sort of stuff. Uh, since then, it is my understanding that Twitch has added some things specifically for Mac, but it's just, it's something I don't want to do. I don't want to stream. Um, I'm happy to watch other people's streams, and I do pop in to people's streams when I have the ability to do so and when I have the time. But I don't really want to stream myself any longer. So instead, what I decided to do is record videos of my gameplay, and I've been releasing them in the format of a podcast, which might sound a little weird, but that's what I'm doing. And It'll be, it's on, uh, the ones that are released are on bookofgen.net. I will put a link, or I will have, honestly, Vesper does the links for the show notes, and he does a great job, so I will make sure that there's a link in there that'll take you directly to the section of Book of Gen that has those videos if you want to see me play in Season 21. I also have been slowly putting some of the released videos onto YouTube. I have a Book of Gen YouTube channel. 
and so I've been adding season 21 in there and I need to I really need to put more of them there because there's more there's more I just haven't again had time to put them out there but as far as season 21 I'm having a good time with it I like the seasonal buffs I know there's a lot of people that are not thrilled with those so sorry I, I think they're fun they amuse me I'm <laughs> I'm not someone that tries to get on the leaderboard. I don't think I've ever been on the leaderboard. So I don't have that, you know, worry about, I don't know. I, I It is my understanding that there was something that had to do with the leaderboard that some people were upset about regarding the buffs. I don't remember why, but that's okay. We can have different opinions on things. So I find the seasonal buffs amusing. I like that they pulled some of the seasonal buffs from different like bosses, like the tornadoes are from Zoltan Cool, and the um, green meteors are from when you fight Belial, and the rainbow thing is from when you fight Diablo, and I like that it gives you just this little extra ability to like destroy monsters, <laughs> you know, as you go. Um, especially for someone like me who's playing hardcore and doesn't have a lot of time to play right now. So I find that really fun. I think there was a couple of days where there might have been extra treasure goblins, or at least I ran into them, and I thought that was really neat. I had a, a room full of treasure goblins, and I was, you know, playing a barbarian, so I got the the ancients out to help me kill some of them, and I found that amusing. Other than that, though, um, I'm still working my way through. I just hit, I want to say, 61 or 62, because I do take my time with hardcore to be careful about it for obvious reasons. So I don't have any green gear yet. I don't have... I do have some legendaries. Uh, I don't have any ancients yet, obviously, because if you're not 70, you can't do the uh, you know, the greater rifts. I'll get there. Uh, this season, for the first time ever, I actually put together a Captain Crimson set, which is, it is my understanding that that's supposed to help you level up a bit quicker, or something to that effect. I may be wrong, but I gave it a try. It did seem to help. It did seem to level thing, you know, have the leveling going a little bit faster. But boy, does it look silly on a male barbarian. <laughs> it really does. It looks like very inadequate armor and it's bright red and it just kind of, it kind of looks weird, but it was effective. Um, I think I've outgrown it at this point and uh, I did hang on to it in case I die so I can like help the next character level up as, you know, if I need to, but I'm hoping to avoid that. I haven't gotten, like I said, I haven't gotten the freebie set as you get from Heydrig uh, when you complete parts of the season journey because I haven't completed much of it. I did finish chapter one. I'm working on chapter two. I think the last thing I did was fight Magda and Zoltan Cole once you hit 60 because that was kind of fun to do. And I think things are going to speed up from here because I feel like there's a gap with Barbarians sometime, somewhere between like in the mid-50s and like mid-60s, it seems to lag for me. Not lag as in the game isn't working properly, but lag as in it seems like, you know, I'm doing all the things to level and it's just not going as quick and I don't want to raise the difficulty too high and lose my hardcore character is, is probably understandable. I have played softcore for a while, but I just find something interesting in hardcore because there's that added extra risk and it makes me really think about what I'm doing and the choices I'm making before I 
jump into a boss battle or run into a mob or, <laughs> you know, all these kinds of things. So that's where I'm at. And there'll be more. I do intend, I'm probably going to play when I'm done recording, let's be honest. So, um, so there's that. That's my several weeks in gaming kind of rolled into one. And I'm going to try to be more specific next week so that you'll get a little more information about exactly what I've been doing. Okay, so other than that, I'm going to go over some news that relates at least to Blizzard, if not directly to Diablo. Um, you know, unfortunately, but that's that's how that's going to go. Gamescom, you may have noticed, uh, happened this week or the last couple of days, depending on when you listen to this episode, and it was done virtually uh, online because we are in a pandemic and it is not necessarily a good idea to pack lots of people into a small space. Yes, it might be possible for the venue to require masks and have uh, hand sanitizers everywhere and to find some way to keep everyone six feet apart, but it also might not be very easy. And it's up to them, you know, it's up to the venue what they want to do. So Gamescom was uh, virtual. And I think that's a good idea. I think that way everybody had the opportunity to essentially go to this event from their homes, you know, safely from their homes, watching it on their computers. And that's a little different than, you know, if it was like, if it was, you know, if there was no pandemic or if this was before the pandemic, Gamescom would have been an event that people would go to. And, of course, there would be people reporting about it on all the gaming sites and things like that. And there'd be people at it that were, you know, maybe using social media to say, here's what I know, this is what I saw, this was cool, this sort of thing. But with this, the benefit of having a virtual conference like that is nobody has to really miss out. The Gamescom Twitter had tons of updates and videos and people speaking and you know it took place in Germany so there were these wonderful metal bands that were entertaining people at the the conference and it it feels more inclusive in some ways and obviously less expensive i mean if you don't live in germany it's going to be rather expensive to get to germany and actually if you live in the united states there's a lot of countries that uh, really don't want us to travel there because we haven't handled the pandemic as well as several other countries so it might have been, if they were able to do it in person, they may have a lot of gaming companies that couldn't go because they're based in the United States. So it's just something to think about. But I think, um, I think the virtual conferences are good. And especially now, and especially from the viewpoint of someone who has disabilities, I have some disabilities, my husband has some disabilities, it makes it hard for us to travel. And so this was like really inclusive. You do miss out, you know, you do miss out on the things like hanging out in person with your friends and, you know, drinking a lot and sharing your thoughts that day about whatever games you'd tried or watched videos of or listened to panels on during the day. You do miss that aspect and that is important. But since we can't do it right now, I think Gamescom did a very good job with what they had to work with. So. I'm going to talk about specifically games that are from Activision Blizzard because the, you know Diablo is obviously a Blizzard game and although I did not find anything about any Diablo game related to Gamescom, 
there are some other things that were released. So I'll go into those and then I'll circle back and talk about Diablo a little bit more. So to start off, let's start with World of Warcraft. So we've got quite a few things going on with, with that. The expansion is Shadowlands. Shadowlands uh, Collector's Edition is available. That was announced on the 27th of this month. And um, it's going to ship from retailers beginning on October 13th, ahead of the start date of the October 26th expansion launch date. So if that's something you want, you can get that. And it, you can. there's some keepsakes in the box or along with it, including Covenant Sigil's four-pin collector set, Art of the Shadowlands art book, which I think might be very cool because I've seen, you know, just what you've seen online with art from the Shadowlands or screenshots from it that Blizzard has released. And it looks really cool. It's like dark and kind of goth. And I think that section might appeal to people who played Diablo, of any Diablo, you know, if you played previous games, you're playing Diablo 3. Um, it feels like that kind of thing. It's probably not going to be anywhere near as destructive and bloody, but it's got that aesthetic. So that might be interesting. I think the art book itself might be interesting just for that. There's also a Shattered Sky mouse pad and the Collector's Edition digital soundtrack key that comes with the Collector's Edition if you buy that. So there's that. There's also uh, some other stuff in there. There's, there's There'll be links to all this in the show notes so you can check it out. So that's, that's what's in there. There's pictures of um, some of these pins, I think. There's some pets. There's 30 days of game time if you get the uh, Epic Edition... It does play on a Mac, for those wondering. It obviously plays on a PC, but it will play on a Mac, so that's a good thing to know. And there's other editions as well as the Collector's Edition that you can check out. The uh, It was also announced that Shadowlands is going to uh, launch on October 26th, so you're going to want your copy of the expansion before then. And then you can try to get in with everyone else. <laughs> as, as you know how launch dates go, it gets everyone wants to like get on the game as soon as possible and it tends to have a wait time and glitches. But maybe they've got that straightened out. You know, it's possible. So if you're doing that, um, it's going to be launched on the 26th in... Uh, it's a global launch, so it's going to be launched on the 26th of October at 4 p.m. in the Americas and UTC. It'll be 11 p.m. at UTC. For the servers that are in Europe, Taiwan, Korea, or Australia, ANZ, those are going to be officially on October 27th. Europe will be at 12 a.m., Taiwan 7 a.m., Korea 8 a.m., and New Zealand 10 a.m. Now, at first glance, it may sound as though the people who are playing on America servers and the UTC servers are getting an advantage because they'll get it on the 26th. That's not really so. This is taking into account time zones. So it's kind of trying to even up, you know, here's when we're launching it, what time is that in each of these time zones, and then making it so everybody's kind of getting on at the same time. Nobody's going to have, uh, you know, a huge advantage for being on the American UTC servers, other, you know, beyond just jumping in, you know. <laughs> so that should work out pretty well, I hope, and I know we're going to hear about it online if it's difficult to enter the game upon launch. I think there'll be people talking about that, and we'll just have to see. So the basic edition, if you didn't want to get the collector's edition, um, the basic edition for Shadowlands is... it's just... it's the Shadowlands experience. It's, you know, basic. If you get the heroic edition, you get... in addition to the expansion itself, you get Shadowlands level, level character boosts available on pre-purchase. 
Uh, you get an ensorcelled Everworm mount, whatever that may be, uh, which grants access to a quest line that awards the vestments of the Eternal Traveler transmogification set. So if you like to collect mounts in Warcraft and you like to collect transmogs, you probably want the Heroic Edition because that's going to give you those things, plus an added quest line that you wouldn't get with the basic uh, contents. There's an Epic Edition that has everything from the Heroic Edition, plus an Anima Wormling Pet, a Wraith Chill Cosmetic Weapon Effect, Eternal Traveler's Hearthstone, and 30 Days of Game Time right there, you know, for you. I'm not sure what the Eternal Traveler's Hearthstone is. I mean, it sounds like a Hearthstone. You can use it to go from one place to another. Maybe this one takes you to just the content that's with the new expansion, the Shadowlands stuff. Maybe not. Maybe it's just pretty <laughs> or a different design. I don't know. But that's what they're offering with that. There's also going to be, of course... Oh, and if I didn't say it, yeah, all this starts on the 26th of October or 27th if you're in different... depending on where you are. There's also going to be a uh, Season 1 and a Castle Narthia uh, thing going live. So Castle Narthia is... looks like a 10-boss raid. And it's located in the realm of Revendeth. So there's that. There is an unlock schedule for this, of course, and November 10th is going to be when the normal and heroic difficulties launch. So that means, you know, you're going to start playing this game, or it, maybe you personally are, but people are going to start playing this game on October 26th or 27th, depending on your time zone, and they can't get into the first raid stuff until November 10th. The next part of the raids will be uh, November 17th for Mythic Castle Narthia and Raid Finder Wing 1. December 1st is going to be Raid Finder Wing 2, December 15, Raid Finder Wing 3, and January 5th, Raid Finder Wing 4. And Shadowlands Season 1 is also going to open on November 10. It's going to introduce a new seasonal Aphex in Mythic Keystone Dungeons along with a new season of PvP action. So if that's your thing, that's going to start on November 10th, the same day as the Raid Unlock schedule starts. And I'm reading this from specifically for North America, because that is the information I can find on the Blizzard website with that. So let's switch over for a minute to the Activision part of Activision Blizzard. They have announced that they're going to release Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and it's going to release on November 13th. So if you're interested in playing both of these games, you're going to have to balance the Warcraft stuff with the Call of Duty stuff and see how you can fit that into whatever t free time you have. It is uh, this game, Call of Duty Black Ops, is a direct sequel to the original Black Ops, buying it into some of the, you know, older, more historic parts of the game, which is, it's kind of neat. I like when gaming companies try to connect things in their gaming worlds like that. I've never played Call of Duty, it's not my thing, but it makes sense to kind of link in, like, here's what we've got before, if you liked this, here's something new you might like that's similar. It's going to be set in 1981 at the height of the Cold War. If you're old enough to have lived through some of that, you may remember what that was like from just, a, you know, hearing the news day to day on your TV experience. But that's what this is. And you're going to be playing as uh, a CIA operative uh, carrying out missions. There's, you know, going to be a whole lot of stuff. There is a single player experience in it if you're into that, and it's in, uh, let's see, it's got uh, the global tensions of the Cold War armed with weaponry of the era. So there's, there's a 
one player experience kind of thing. And I'll leave you to check out the rest in the show notes of this that go to this podcast. You can pre-purchase that one on battle.net today, uh, as this was written. That post that I'm reading it from was posted on August 26th. So, you know, if this is something you want, you can pre-purchase it right through Battle.net. All pre-purchases include the Cold War open beta. There is an asterisk attached to that. So it's hard to say if it means everybody in the beta or what. So you might get it, you might not. There are um, some other special stuff that you can get from that as well. There's a standard edition with the full game and the Confrontation Weapons Pack, which is a very fascinating name for that. And... The Ultimate Edition uh, has all of that stuff, plus plus more, and you can check that out if you want to do it. And you can read more on Activision FAQ and, and stuff like this. Now, there's been a little bit of controversy about this game. It's not because it's a Call of Duty game, and it's not because it's you know a war-type game with guns and stuff like that. It's a little bit different than that. You may have heard, maybe not. The original trailer for this Call of Duty game was released with some footage in it that showed part of the Tiananmen Square protest that took place in 1989. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it, you may have seen, maybe you haven't, depending on where you live, um, you may have seen the photos where there's this one person standing in front of a tank. There's also a larger version of that photo with like several tanks coming down the streets to that person. I think that's... that. I think, there's an article on Kotaku, that I know, but I think the image that they've got there might be what was posted in part of the trailer for Call of Duty, Black Ops Cold War. So here's what happened. According to Kotaku, the debut trailer was blocked in China. And right after that, it was blocked, it was, it was edited everywhere else to take out the portion that showed Tiananmen Square imagery. Which is interesting, in a lot of ways. Like, China didn't like this. China does not seem to like information about Tiananmen Square being mentioned online. I I don't know if it's something you can even access if you are in China, but they definitely didn't like that Activision put in that footage. It was only like a, maybe a second or two long. It wasn't very long. And... China wanted that taken out. Activision Blizzard took it out, not only of the trailer for China, but for all of the trailers, so it's apparently not in there anymore. And it's really weird to think about, because, like, okay, I'm old enough to remember the 1980s and, you know, to have lived through that, and I remember how intense it was with different things going on, and that was 1989. I mean, I remember hearing about that in the news and being really freaked out about what was going on over there in China. And now today, we've got a game that takes place in that time frame. You know, it's a, it's a war game. It's a game where you are someone in a war. This one takes place around the Cold War. Okay, that makes sense. It makes sense to have some of the significant things in the Cold War um, appear in the game and in the trailer. But it had to be removed, or this part did, because China is not happy with having Tiananmen Square footage in there. And it was removed from all of the trailers. Which feels weird. I get why China's doing this, I get why they want to do this, but to have it removed from all of versions of the trailer seems a bit excessive to me. Personally, your opinions may vary. 
a replacement trailer was put up. Like they didn't just like snip out that one and you know they it, a whole replacement trailer was put up. So you can't really you won't see it. Like if you go look on YouTube or whatever, you're not going to see the trailer with the Tiananmen Square stuff in it because it's been removed. So that's kind of a strange thing to have had happen with a video game. And I get I get like the political reasons why and all of this stuff, but it just to me it feels weird. Just really weird and and creepy and and strange. The other interesting thing with Call of Duty is this new one, uh, Black Ops Cold War, is Ronald Reagan appears in there, a former president who was president during the Cold War, so that part makes sense. The part that I'm really confused about is how they got permission to have Ronald Reagan in the game talking to your character and, you know, how they made this happen. Now, there's an article on GameSpot that talks a little bit about that. They used a voice actor, which makes sense. I mean, you know, you can't... Ronald Reagan cannot do this voice acting himself. He's been dead for quite some time. So they had to have a voice actor. So they used a voice actor to mimic Ronald Reagan's voice. But it's still weird. I mean, this is an actual American president in there. And I'm wondering, like, how did they get permission to have his likeness in the game? You know, as himself, as as president of the United States in the Black Ops game that takes place when he was president. Like, I gotta wonder, did they talk to, like... You know, a lot of presidents have a library, an official library that handles official things. Like if someone wants to, say, include them in a video game or maybe a movie or whatever they're trying to do, that they can, you know, someone can try to get permission to do so from them. It's also possible, and I don't know, I'm speculating a bit here, but it's possible that Ronald Reagan's relatives, who are, you know, still alive, um, I'm hoping they asked some of them, hey, is it okay if we include him? And here's how we're going to include him in the game. I'm hoping they knew about this and that they gave their permission and thought this was something they wanted to have happen because I think it would be quite a shock to find, you know, your relative suddenly in a game. It's it's kind of weird. I get it. I get why it fits the storyline and the game and the time frame and all of this stuff, but I cannot really think of another video game that had a president in it you know, playing, playing the role of himself as president, who was a president within my lifetime, you know? Like, I get if they put someone from, like, World War II or something like that, where it's a bit more historical. This is also historical, but, like, it just feels strange. It's really weird to see, like, stuff I remember from the 80s, you know, popping up in a video game. But that's just me. If you're younger, maybe this will be a little bit of history, depending on how uh, Activision and Call of Duty handled it. But it's just, it's just some of the weirdness that I saw with this. I'm not saying it's a bad thing necessarily to have Ronald Reagan in the game, because obviously it fits for what they're trying to do. But I have a feeling that at some point somebody connected to the Reagan library or the Reagan family might have something to say about it. And we'll just see what happens. So that's all I've got about GamesCon, because... Obviously, there were plenty more games in there, but this is just what I could find from Activision Blizzard in what I saw online before I started recording this episode. And I'm going to go back to something that Shazam 
talked about in a previous episode, there was an effort made to get James Hong a star on the Walk of Fame. Now, James Hong has a connection to Diablo 3. He is the voice of the jeweler, Covetous Shen. And I think he did a fantastic job with that. That was one of my favorite characters when I was first running through the game and doing the storyline and all that. And there was a GoFundMe set up by Daniel Day Kim, who wanted to get James Hong a star on the Walk of Fame. Now, obviously, James Hong is famous. He's been in a ton of things beyond just the voice of Shen in Diablo 3. Lots of movies, his history in you know movies and voiceovers and things goes back very far. So it makes sense to try to do this. Now, to do it, they needed to collect $50,000 because apparently that is what it costs to get someone a star on the Walk of Fame. It's like just for like the cost of actually having it built and installed, that's the price. It just seems like, you know, you have to actually do a fundraiser to get a, a star on the Walk of Fame. It's not a matter of fan-driven entirely, although this was... You have to have the money for it. I did not know that before I started paying attention to this. According to the Associated Press, the amount of money that was raised for James Hong's star on the Walk of Fame, he needed... $50,000 and the GoFundMe uh, has $55,307 and then they stopped taking donations after that because they had what they needed for this. But that's not all that's required to get a star on the Walk of Fame. There is a voting process and it's not something that fans of James Hong can participate in. It's something they're going to do in the spring so no matter what the outcome we're going to have to wait a while to see if he gets the star or if he doesn't get the star moving on i'm going to highlight some things from the diablo community at large because we don't have a whole lot from blizzard itself talking about diablo games this week so here are some things you may have missed that you might want to check out as you may have heard if you listened to the previous episode, Leviathan has started streaming Diablo again. And I'm glad he has, because I enjoy watching his stream. He recently put a YouTube video out on August 24th, and it's a compilation of some of his old clips. He took the ones that seemed to be the most popular and put them together into a compilation for you to see. And I highly recommend you check it out because it's entertaining. It's really entertaining. It's well done as far as formatting the video and like putting up little descriptions and titles and things. It's very good work and it, it's not very long. So you could totally just watch that and for a few minutes and be entertained. Now, the reason he did this as he posted in a tweet on Twitter uh, had to do with the DMCA stuff. You might remember that not that long ago, Twitch streamers were getting uh, DMCA takedowns and I think strikes. I'm not fully aware of exactly how Twitch works with that stuff, but that's something that was happening and it was because there was music in the background of the clips that somebody else had the copyright on and so there was DMCA stuff. Now, Leviathan smartly decided to pull together this compilation of the best or the most watched clips and then delete them all just to be safe. And I think that's a smart way to go, but definitely check out the video. It's It's got some really emotional and exciting and hysterically funny stuff in it. So you should check that out if you get the opportunity. Also on Twitter, Kelrick 
has uh, done this amazing painting of Lilith. It's something you really need to see, and it's it's really good. This might be the most Diablo 4 thing I have found to talk about on the show, but it's it's of Lilith, and Kelric has put Lilith in a green and gold dress instead of a black dress, just for the aesthetics. It's hard to explain a painting very quickly on an audio podcast, but there's two photos, and one is like a portrait close-up of Lilith's face, and the other one shows a little bit more, and it's so nicely done, and the background is really good, and it's it's definitely Lilith, and I thought it was cool, so you can check that out. Again, links will be in the show notes. And the only other thing I found is from earlier this month, um, in August, Wyatt Chang posted basically it's a it's a want ad from blizzard and they're looking for a senior ux designer and it looks like it's going to be for the diablo universe it's specifically for diablo immortal which you know what that is by now and uh i'm not sure it looks to me if i look at the want ad itself that this appears to still be open So whoever gets this job is going to be part of Team Diablo Immortal, working on that, and they're looking for someone that does, uh, is a UX designer, and they are doing a work-from-home model with people working on their games because of COVID-19, so when they're hiring new people, they're going to be working from home. It will be a remote position. So if that sounds like something you do, you might want to check out the want ad and see what kind of stuff they're expecting, what the responsibilities are, the requirements, different things like that. And then you can help Diablo Immortal be even better (laughs) with whatever a UX thing is. That's not my thing either, but somebody out there, maybe this is the perfect job for you. So you may want to check that out and help get, you know, Diablo Immortal going, which would be great for those of us that I know are in the minority who do want to play the game. And moving on from that, I'd just like to say that Shattered Soulstone does have an email address that you can send questions and comments and stories about your gameplay and things like that too. I checked the email a couple of days ago and the only thing in there was a spam email trying to sell us something. I'm not even sure what. And that's no fun to see. So let's make this more fun for everyone. If you do have a comment or a question or something you just want to talk about Diablo related, you can send the show an email. And you can do that by uh, sending it out to show at shatteredsoulstone.com. So you can send in your thoughts, questions, feedback, contributions, whatever Diablo related you'd like to do. And if I get any of these, I will include them in the next episode of Shattered Soulstone. And this is the part where we generally talk about other media. I guess the biggest thing that I can say with that is I've been playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, and I know that's not Diablo, but that's what the other media part is for. And I play... On, I'm playing several games right now, but the part that you might want to see or be able to check out, some of them are streamed on Twitch, and you could find them and follow along if you want to. There are a couple of games I'm in. Some of them aren't recorded, so you won't be able to check those out at all. But the ones that are streamed 
on Twitch are not on my channel. They are on a channel called Crash the DM. He is the dungeon manager for the game. And there's two... There's more than two on there. I'm involved in two of them. One of them is a brand new campaign with a group of players whose characters at the start of the campaign have been uh, brought back from the dead and they've been given some quests by a god and those quests are to be kept secret from most of the world so in that one I am playing a warlock and his name is Morley and he is not a fighter he's a weaver he likes to make masks <laughs> and he's trying to you know go through and learn how to fight and things with a great mix of characters. Our D&D groups really play off each other well. So that's a brand new campaign. It's only had a couple of episodes uh, appear on Twitch. And you might, if you want to start at the start of a campaign, this is one you can do that with and just listen through as we go. There's another campaign that I'm in that is a Cobalt campaign. And that one is Cobalt's in space. That's pretty much what we've done. So... Um, it's a group of kobolds. Everyone in it is, is a kobold, with the exception of some uh, non-player characters. We've uh, gotten a spaceship, gone into space. The first thing we had to do was rescue the moon. This one is in Season 3, or is Season 3, and it goes back a bit, so you can catch that live on Twitch. And that Twitch uh, channel actually has links to the campaigns I just mentioned, as well as previous campaigns that uh, I've been involved in some of them, and some other stuff. So it's also uh, connected to Cogwheel Gaming, where all of this stuff can be found and more. And I have so much fun doing this, and I'm so happy with the groups that I'm playing with. It, it's a bunch of really creative people. So if you're into Dungeons & Dragons, this might be something that you may want to listen to. They are streamed. They're not really videos. They're kind of. It's not, you know, like, we don't have the setup that Critical Role does, because who would have this other than them? But I think it works just fine, and we do get a couple people listening every now and then. So that's what most of my free time has been, is playing Dungeons & Dragons. And that's going to be the end of the show. As I said before, this is Jen, and I will be taking over as host for a while. I don't know if it'll be permanent. I think it might be a temporary fill-in-the-gaps type of position here. So that's what I'm going to do, and I will close the show at this point, and then I'll see you next time around. You have been listening to episode 273 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. With your support, you can help the show grow. Become a patron today, patreon.com soulstone. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on the Shattered Soulstone Twitter account and Facebook page, as well as on the Shattered Soulstone website. This show is powered by you, the listener. Send in your contributions, thoughts, questions, and feedback to show at ShatteredSoulstone.com, and I will read them on the next episode, if we get any. I hope we do. We love Twitter. 
Come join and tweet with us. You can find the show Twitter at Shattered Stone. Deadgreed, who used to be a host of the show, is at Deadgreed1812. And you can still find Shazam on Twitter at Shazam081. I'm on Twitter sometimes. Maybe I'll release what that is if we get more people chiming in with uh, emails, I guess. I don't know. I'm a little shy about that on Twitter. We would like to extend a huge thank you to Medros of Dawnforge Productions for hosting our Loot Deviant show. You can find more shows from the Dawnforge at www.thedawnforge.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, from all of us here at Shattered Soulstone, over 272 episodes for your listening pleasure. Dawnforge! Woo! This podcast is part of the Dawnforge Network. Copyright 2020.